This is episode 399 for November 2015. And before we get to Spider History, I want to ask for your support to make sure that we can pay the bills to host all 399 episodes up on our server. Log on to our front page at spidermancrawlspace.com. Look for a button on the right-hand side that says support this site via PayPal. And you can leave a donation, a weekly, a monthly, or a yearly donation. And you can help us pay those bandwidth costs. All right, gang, on with Spider History. Hey, Carl Spacers, welcome to our Spider History for November. JR, we're headed back to 1968. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 66 came out, written by Stanley and Don Heck and John Romita Sr. on pencils. I'm sorry, I'm not talking to the media. Oh, <laughs> you're, viola- you're violating my safe space. I have the right. To- well, well, well. You per- you are in your home, so it is up to you if you decide to talk to me or not. Even, even, <laughs> not out in a public campus or anything. No, well, even though I called you, you know, and thoroughly gave you the idea that I would actually participate in this, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, therefore appeared to have desired to participate. Uh, but now I'm gonna now I'm gonna claim that no, I never want to participate. Leave me alone. So anyway, <laughs> gotta love Missouri. Hey, how Senator. Aiken doing any? Oh, stop! stop. <laughs> uh, the story is called "The Madness of Mysterio," uh, and uh, arc part one is to squash a spider with big print. Oh, there you go. Oh yeah, yeah. This is uh, number sixty-six. Yeah, to squash a spider was number sixty-seven, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're doing I November first. Spider. Uh... Oh, I see what you're talking. Yeah, my bad. Okay, let's t- let's go back before I was born. Did you get this one off the spinner rack, Jr.? <laughs> no. Even though I was old enough to, uh, yeah. it, it, it's funny actually because uh, this is really the preliminary to the to the, the big issue we're going to talk about later. Right. But no, I didn't start getting them off the racks until about issue number one thirty four. I mean, at least okay. consistently. So right. Okay. What no? What year is this again? This is seventy nine. Sixty eight. Sixty eight. I'm sorry. So you were you were just graduating college back then, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was interviewing for my first job. How old were you in 68, JR? Uh, I turned five in 68. Five. I was actually just starting kindergarten. And George and I were not born yet. (sighs) Yeah, I was was like negative four. (laughs) The watermelon, little watermelon man wasn't even a seed then. (laughs) So far, Big watermelon man hadn't spread his seeds yet. Oh, Lord. I regret showing up for this. So, so far, JR's insulted me and George. This ought to be a great half hour or whatever. <laughs> All right, Mysterio story. Take me through it. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the, this is the 1960s. This, I mean, this is classic Stan in the 1960s. So, you know, basically, basically the issue begins with supervillain monologuing. Quentin Beck spends the first three and a half pages of the story. Three and a half pages? Three and a half pages talking oh. to himself. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's like, no wonder these guys are criminals and, you know, they're seriously disturbed people. I mean, it's like they talk to absolutely nobody or, or else they're hearing voices in their heads. But anyway, he's wringing his hands and talking about his evil plan, his diabolical plan to destroy Spider-Man, which appears to involve a tabletop model of an amusement park. 
And, as he says, the type of mock-up I designed when I was the greatest special effects man Hollywood has ever known! <laughs> you know, and then, of course, he... This is how J.R. talks at home. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and then he relives, you know, his le- the last time he was beaten by Spider-Man, which I believe is... They don't say exactly what it is, but I believe it was that issue where he and the uh, wizard teamed up against uh, Spidey and the Torch. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, so Mysterio, first of all, he, he, he recounts that he's got a diabolical plan. Then he tells the audience about his last escape from, from prison. And then he says, you know, then he basically announces that, okay, here I go. I'm going to do something evil. All right. So after, so we, after three and a half pages of Mysterio uh, talking to himself, we have a page and a half of Actually, the first, well, yeah, it's about two pages of Peter Parker angst, you know, mm. oh, and, he, and Peter's like, you know, webbing through the city worrying, and it's like, oh, I still have to dream up some excuse to give Aunt May for why I haven't seen her in days, because I don't have the effing balls to tell her I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what he said. <laughs> well, wait a minute, he said, I still have to dream up some excuse to give Aunt May for why I haven't seen her in days. And that no balls in that sense. Yeah, I can see it. I got to put my magnifying glass. On. <laughs> uh, and then, and then there's Norman Osborn, which we'll talk about Norman a little bit later because Norman Norman's having issues again. You know. Then there's Norman Osborn. No one knows what's happened to him. If he should become the Green Goblin again, I'm really in the stew. <laughs> I mean, in the stew. I, I a- can't imagine how bad that must be. And here's now. Here's the worst of it, kids. And Gwen still thinks I'm strictly for the birds. Mm. That means I see what that means. That, no, I can't. Never mind. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm thinking maybe he said that because the last two issues he's been fighting vultures. So I guess it's a good thing that he wasn't fighting the lizard because then he would have said Gwen still thinks I'm strictly for the reptiles. So anyway, but uh, <laughs> so Peter's, you know, so Peter's, you know, angston, you know, and he's broke and, you know, he's he has to explain, you know, he didn't get pictures of Spider-Man fighting the vulture. So J. Jonah Jameson is mad at him, you know, and folks, and here we have a, a, a sad moment, sad, sad moment in Spider-Man history. Remember that groovy motorcycle that he bought a little while ago? You know? Yeah. How he would pedal around on it, and Gwen thought he was cool and everything like that. Well, he has to sell it. Oh. He has to sell it. It's like... Heroin is a terrible drug. (laughs) (laughs) So, there it is, boys and girls. That's what happened to it. This is the last appearance of the moped? The last last appearance of his little little putter machine here. Then, all of a sudden, Mysterio appears. And he goes, booga, booga, trick or treat. You know, and and then... That's not not what he says. (laughs) (laughs) Not what he says. Well, I'm. I'm. See, I, I don't. We don't have enough time. To stick to the. Stick to the print. We don't have enough time for me to. I mean, come on. Would you rather hear that, or would you rather hear Mysterio, indeed, the greatest mystic genius of all time? I don't want to speak for everyone listening to the show, but I think when they turn in, they expect uh, quality. You know, content rich, uh, historically accurate uh, information, and and I don't feel that you're that you're giving it. I'm sorry. Well, I am just. Uh, you know, I am imitating today's media. You know, and I will. I, so it's performance. Know, I, I, I am telling. I am. I am telling Spider history as I see it. So oh, anyway, man. which is just what the media does, right? I didn't realize you were trying to fit a narrative. I'm sorry. Well, yes, actually, I was doing my Brian Williams. 
So you know, <laughs> I'm changing. I'm changing history to fit my perspective and to include me in it. So anyway. I was there. So, like, so like I said, you know, Mysterio appears. You know, makes a big appearance. You know, goes, you know, and everyone wonders where he goes, or everyone wonders where he went. And Peter's thinking, maybe I should go after Mysterio. And then he says, you know what? Screw this. He's fed up. He says, I had to sell my bike, and I was using that bike to try to pick up chicks and get laid, and now I had to sell my bike. So F Mysterio, F the cops, F truth, justice, the American way. I've had it. Do you think that moped got chicks, even in 68? It got Gwen. Okay. I'm talking about real life. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know in six. I don't know in '68. Usually, I could get them with an extra sucker, you know, I mean, <laughs> in a van, <laughs> or maybe, or maybe when they brought the milk carton around, you know, kindergarten when we, you know, after nap time we got, you know, milk. Cartons. Oh, I see. You know, I would give her my milk, offer her my milk carton. You know, hey, you know, it's. You know, I had I had a crush on this gal in the second grade, and I I I I, I she was in. Uh, she was in second grade, but she had the body of a fourth grader. And we used to lay on the mat and read Berenstein Bears together, and that was just the best thing. I don't know how I got her to read a story with me on the mat, but that was about the best you could do in second grade. I'll never forget it. And I thought, anyway, I thought my trips down memory lane were pathetic. <laughs> That's the saddest story I've heard this week. Me, <laughs> story time on a mat with the Berenstein Bears. Let me tell you about the you know, time I macked back in second grade. I was about to say, George took a girl to the mat in the second grade. <laughs> I mean, not George, but Brad. Brad took a girl to the mat. <laughs> Thanks, now, I would believe it at George. I, actually, I would believe that George took one to the mat in, in first. But anyway. George, uh, George, what's your pickup line in the second grade? <laughs> You're gross. <laughs> Seriously, when they're that young, when they when they like each other, they fight and they argue. It, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Anyway, Mysterio, Mysterio was hang- is actually under the street in the sewers, and he's hanging out there thinking, "Well, golly, gee whiz! I thought, you know, when I went up there and made the big brouhaha, that Spider Man would notice me, and Spider Man would have come and come after me." And it's like, "Well, hell, he's not here, and now my costume smells like shit for nothing." So anyway. So at that time, but then Gwen, see, Gwen's been looking for Peter because remember, remember, boys and girls, uh, uh, when Captain Stacy was under control of the brainwash, you know, of Winkler, the Winkler machine, you know, and he was acting, you know, he was acting senile, you know, and he was trying to swap Peter with his cane, you know, and then Peter swatted him back and Gwen saw it and then Gwen chased him out of the house and said she hated him and never wanted to see him again, you know, and things of that nature. And uh, so anyway, Peter's been avoiding Gwen. Since that time, and uh, but then you know Captain Stacy eventually comes to his senses and says, <laughs> "Funny thing, I was under control of a crime lord at the time, and I was trying to beat Peter with my cane." <laughs> so you know, so anyway, so now Gwen has finally found Peter, and uh, she tells him, you know, she wants him to know that she knows that when he swatted her old bird of a father, that it wasn't his fault. Now, okay, now you guys. Yeah. Every once in a while, you know, you accuse me of, of making shit up. Uh, we do it every episode. And, and, <laughs> and I, you know, because I try to paraphrase dialogue and things of that nature, you know, because I wanted to appeal to a modern audience. So, okay. Yeah. So, okay. So here, here I will not make shit up. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Peter is saying. This is going to be hard, time, folks. I've, I've been feeling sorry for myself, unwilling to admit I was just carrying a king-sized torch for you. Oh, Peter, 
Peter, it was as though my whole world had come to an end, but not anymore. And then Peter goes, suddenly, with you in my arms again, everything seems right again. You know, and then minutes later, after our cuddling couple have regained their composure, I can't let you go so soon, Gwendy. How about some java at the coffee bean? It'll taste like nectar with you, man o' mine. Okay. <laughs> now, what's, now what's worse, the actual shit or my shit? You know? <laughs> They both stink. <laughs> oh, Just kidding. And it gets even better. Oh, good. Because then, uh, because uh, Joe Robertson and Captain Stacy uh, meet for lunch to talk about Spider-Man. Okay. And here we go. This is real dialogue. You say you want to talk about, want to talk to me about Spider-Man, Mr. Robinson? Robertson. That's right, Captain Stacy. I know that you're interested in the web slinger also. And then Captain Stacy says... It's more than a casual interest. So I'm really starting to get nervous here, you know. And then it's like, oh, Robbie goes, oh, of course, my interest in Spider-Man is professional. And Captain Stacy says, as a criminologist, my interest is professional, too. So, you know, I'm glad that they cleared that up after they said their interest, huh? So compare uh, Stan speak and slot speak. Well, actually, uh, ooh, you know what? Actually, this is kind of interesting. That's kind of right because yeah. they are indulging in what we would call slot speak because they walk mm-hmm. to, they, <laughs> even though they already know each other, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. they address each other formally. You want you say yeah. you want to talk to me about Spider Man, Mister Robertson? It's like you know, mm-hmm. instead of Joe or whatever, you know, right. that's right, Captain Stacy. So right, yeah, it's very similar. Why? I guess why do we look uh, fondly upon this as a, then opposed to the slot stuff? Well, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, this is yeah. almost fifty years ago. True. This is almost fifty years, and, and this is and the di- dialogue's still the same. This was how it was all written. I mean, it was all written mm-hmm. the same. I mean, when you know, you, you look at anything, and and actually, Stan yeah. was considered. I mean, compared to some of the, you know, if you want to really see some absurd stuff. Um, well, I, yeah. for example, the the stuff the stuff that our old pal Hornacek puts up every now and then, some of those old panels, like this last one, one I saw about Superman and his super burp. Uh, <laughs> well, it, that's funny. You know, some of that. De- I mean, you know, th- this stuff was uh, War and Peace and Shakespeare compared to some <laughs> sea stuff. So, right. but it's and, and and see, here's the thing though. Stan wrote so much, and and and, and yes. for example, I mean, when you're when you go through these old issues, I mean, they're just there's. Tons of dialogue. I mean, even though you you know you, you know you you see something that's said and it sounds silly or stupid or whatever, well, you're already on to the next scene or the next conversation or whatever. I mean, it's just yeah. it's an entirely different era. So yeah. Anyway, fifty years of difference. Yep. Yep. So um, you know, and you know, again, Stan was born in nineteen what twenty two or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so anyway, so Harry is is looking for Norman because Norman has been acting a little strange these last six months. Uh, well, and of course, there's one particular reason why he's been acting strange, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. So you know, because uh, in in issue number sixty one, he saw an ad for a television documentary called The Legend of the Green Goblin. And he, then he started to stress. In issue number sixty-two, he told Jonah to shut the hell up during one of his rants. <laughs> and by and by stress, Jr. means sweat profusely, like he used, like he always does. Whenever that, he starts going crazy, that was it. He breaks into the crazy sweats. That's, yeah, that's right, the crazy sweats. Yeah, 
Yeah. So and uh, anyway, so in nineteen in um, sixty three, you know, seeing Peter Parker stresses him out, breaks him, has him break out and sweats again. And then number sixty four, Captain Stacy asks Gwen, "Tell me what's up with Norman Osborn? He's acting weird." And in 65, Harry goes looking for him because he's disappeared. So we know something's going on with Norman. So anyway, so Harry go, tries to look for Norman again and decides to show up at Osborne Chemical, Osborne Engineering, Osborne Manufacturing, whatever it was called back then. Ah, but Norman's looking out the window, you know, saying, Aha, these fools, do they think Norman Osborne wouldn't have a dozen ways to enter his factory without being seen? Because the security guard tells Harry, Nope, haven't seen him in days. He's on vacation. Uh, <laughs> Ha! If that lily-livered son of mine ever suspected who I really am, but let him search for me, him and that holier-than-thou roommate of his. His roommate! Why does the mere thought of him make my blood boil? You know, that almost sounds like a bad line out of that Attila the Hun movie that John Wayne starred in or something. <laughs> I won't be in the... See, Norman... Nor, and Norman's Genghis re- Khan, J.R. He was Genghis Khan? Yeah, uh-huh. it's called the <laughs> it's, it's where everybody got cancer. Yeah, actually, that is true. Yeah. Um, anyway, so anyway, Norman has slowly been remembering things. He's in his Green Goblin costume, and he says, "But I won't be in the dark much longer. My memory gets clearer with each passing second." <clears throat> but wait, even though we've been leading up to this for the last six months, I can't go full Green Goblin in Amazing Spider-Man because Stan is publishing a magazine, and he's trying to crack the <laughs> magazine market. So I've got to make an appearance there. I've got to go all Goblin out there. Hmm, so I've got so I've got to do this in a way that will really screw with continuity and make no sense. I know. I'll make myself forget everything again and have it come back when it's time to publish the magazine. Okay. So <laughs> anyway. So anyway, Mysterio goes on TV, threatens to destroy the city, he shows, you know, he because he's the greatest special effects man Hollywood had ever seen, you know, he shows this movie about ha ha, here's what would happen if I destroy try to destroy New York. The site you're witnessing is merely a fantasy. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. But Mysterio has the power to do it. And then he says, I challenge Spider Man to meet me at the place where we had our first battle. So Anyway, so Spidey goes to an old studio, rips the door down, there's Mysterio. Spidey and and Mysterio fight and exchange all kinds of bad dialogue. Mysterio goes to his tabletop amusement park model, zaps Spider-Man. There's all kinds of gas around, hallucinogenic and flatulent. And then when things clear, clear, Spider-Man realizes he's been shrunk to only six inches tall, and a now giant Mysterio is threatening threatening him with total annihilation. To be continued! Ah. You know, you know what a tiny Spider-Man is. What? Still Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Still gonna whip somebody's ass. It's kind of like Ant-Man, yeah. except Spider-Man. Next issue, though. Spoiler alert: It was all an illusion. Yeah. Spidey wasn't really six inches tall. And Mysterio really wasn't a giant. Damn. But after Spider-Man slugs him, he gets to say, "Not this time, ping pong head." <laughs> nice. That's a direct quote, I imagine. That is. That is a direct quote. A direct quote. He was not making shit that up on that one. not making For shit once. Up. <laughs> he calls Mysterio Ping Pong Head. <laughs> now, this next one is, uh, I actually don't own this. I own the first one. But uh, this is, is this one of the best Green Goblin stories of all time, Spectacular Spider-Man Magazine, number two? Yes, indeed it is. It's one of the best. I agree. Although, uh, the, uh, although it's 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 very sixty-ish and very simplistic, but it's but it is it's it's just a a great good old-fashioned superhero supervillain smackdown story. Do you own this one? I do not own it. Uh, other than, uh, well, let's see. Uh, I procured an electronic copy. 
<laughs> some time ago. Uh, but I don't have the actual paper copy. It's been it's hard to find. It's been hard for me to find at a yeah. decent price. Um, but yeah. I do have, and that's kind of where part of my story will go. Uh, I do have the annual that cannibalized it. And oh, okay. That, what, what annual was that? Well, it was annual number nine. If they call, at that time, they were calling it King-Sized Spider-Man number nine. The way I first read this was in July of 1988. Uh, Marvel tried to compete with Archie in, in uh, the checkout aisles in the fact that they produced these little digests. They're little small comics, and uh, they had a Spider-Man one called Spider-Man uh, Comics Magazine, or the Digest. And basically, when Marvel Tales split off, reprinting Amazing Fantasy 1, I mean 15 to 50, uh, it split off and started doing like Marvel team-up reprints and stuff. But the Digest picked up with uh, Amazing 51, and with issue number 12 of the Digest, they reprinted this, and this was the first time I'd ever read this story. And it's just in this little bitty pocket uh, small digest thing. Did you ever get the digest, JR? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I no, I <clears> never <throat> saw those things. Here, I'll send you a link in the uh, the chat window. I, I have all all of these issues. Wow. It's funny. I never saw those. I um I have um years ago, and I think it was Pocket Books in the late mm-hmm. '70s. I think they published. Um, in fact, my my first exposure to amazing to like the first few issues of Amazing Spider-Man was, I mean, these were just regular paperback books. And I remember those. They were yeah. printed, I didn't have them, but I remember them. They were printed uh, the like each. There were only three of them, and they were printed like each uh, the first six issues or six issues a piece. And that's how I that's how, that was actually how I first read um, the uh, early Amazing Spider-Mans. The first time I ever read Amazing Fantasy fifteen was the reproduction that was in um, uh, Stan's book, uh, The History of Marvel. Com- I believe it was The History of Marvel Comics. Mm. That was the first time I'd ever read that. But then. Uh, My, mine was Marvel Tales 137, I think. <laughs> so, but there's a story behind. I don't know. There's a lot of stories here. Um, and there, and there, as we say, kids these days they can read Amazing Fantasy 15 in color, mm-hmm. better print, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, I first came across this story, and so this was this yeah. is kind of the you know because years ago, I mean many many years ago, comic books were everywhere. I mean, they were, you know, uh, and I started reading comic books. One of the first places I read them in the doctor's office and the barber shop, because Back in the Truman administration, right, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, but, but uh, actually, uh, I could just gotten in at the time, so you know. Uh, but uh, so you know, I, you know, it was uh, comics were everywhere. You know, I mean, you know, the women had yeah. the women's mags, the, the men had the men's mags, and the kid had the comic books. And I was at the barber shop. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. with the old man one day, and there was this Spider-Man comic laying around. It was uh, this king-sized annual number nine, and I started thumbing through it, and I said, oh, this is cool shit. <laughs> and I was, you got your first taste. And I was thinking, I, God, <clears throat> I, I'm the trying. The first to, one's free, JR. The first one's free. <laughs> God, I have this. And it was like, but God, it's, it's the Barbers. It's Bob King's. What do I do? You know, I mean, I just can't, you know, because see, in those days, I mean, you guys remember the Andy Griffith show, you know, and they go to yeah. his barbershop. Floyd, yeah. Yeah, and one of Opie's ambitions was to grow up and loaf in the barbershop, you know, and Andy <laughs> would go, we're not loafing. Well, Actually, that is what the guys actually did do. My dad and all these, when they weren't working, you know, they go to the barbershop. Sometimes they get their hair cut. But, like, you know, with my dad, hair was a singular 
term. Uh, you know, and they would sit and they would talk, uh, you know, IU basketball, St. Louis Cardinal baseball, you know, I mean, just all these old guys, you know, sitting there. It really was. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's better than hanging out in the bar, it, you know? It really, well, the bar was next door, actually. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Did, did they start in the barbershop and go to the bar? Next? I, not, um, I, would imagine, I would imagine there was traffic going back and forth. <laughs> but this was small. This was small town America. But uh, yeah. this, no, this stuff really, this stuff really happened. I mean, they're really these things. <laughs> men did go in the barbershop and loaf and talk and you know things like that. Well, you know, we were getting our haircut, and so you know, I saw this. And I was like, God, I gotta have this. But what can I do? You know, and. I don't know who gave me the idea, but, you know, maybe it was the barber himself suggested a trade. So I traded a couple of old Batmans uh, for this. And, uh, you know, and I mean, it it uh, it's a well-worn copy. I think it would be I think it would be CG in the negatives, but uh, it's it's got yellow tape on it. And uh, there's uh, it's been torn. It's got little nicks and tears everywhere. But uh, but it's mine. And and, it, and it's like a paperback. No, no, it's a regular comic. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, oh, it's the annual. It was you're annual, yeah. They. Uh, yeah. What had happened yeah, was after this was like literally right after, um, uh, Gwyn's and the Goblin's deaths. So Marvel said uh, they opened uh, they opened this reprint. They said in answer to a multitude of requests, we're finally representing one of the most famous wall crawler sagas of all time from the pages yes. of the now classic Spider-Man Spectacular number two. So the very issue which heralded the sensational return of the Green Goblin, which culminated in the recent tragic events of Spidey number one twenty one. So <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, to, but so this what, what the and. Um, there's kind of a, a an end to this story uh, because the, the barber. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, his name was Bob King. I remember. I, I mean, he gave me all my haircuts till I was about seventeen or eighteen years old. Um, my father. I mean, my father. When my father died in two thousand and one, uh, and we were having the visitation for my father, and you know, as we were, as my mother and I were filing out. They were bringing in the, the the funeral home staff was bringing in a, a sign to to you know indicate when, uh, another visit an upcoming visitation, <clears throat> and it was Bob King's the barbers. He and my, hmm. he and my father died within a week of each other, oh. and it was kind of so. But but anyway, just one of those things, you know. I mean, you know, barbers and barber poles and comics yeah. that kids could read. But anyway, the the real genesis though was um, Spectacular Spider Man or or magazine. Uh, mm-hmm. Stan decided that, or Marvel, Stan, whoever decided they wanted to try to crack the magazine market, and so they came out with the the, I, the first one was a black and white one, right. and it was the the Smasher, and it was uh, later reprinted. Well, actually, the the story itself was cannibalized and reprinted in, or I think it was Amazing Spider-Man one sixteen to one eighteen, with with some notable changes. Uh, and then, actually, it's Spectacular Spider-Man magazine number one itself was full, was completely reprinted, black and white, uh, to coincide with the first Spider-Man movie in 2002. And mm-hmm. I got that's how I got my copy uh, of it because uh, I don't have the original, uh, but I got that reprint. And the thing that always amazed me is like, why in the world when mm-hmm. did they reprint that one when Spectacular number two was full color? Had yeah. Green Goblin, and the Green Goblin was the villain in the movie. I never understood <laughs> that. 
<laughs> they, well, maybe they just looked at that beautiful looking cover on number. Both of them have beautiful covers, the, by the way. The spectac- yes, the spectacular two uh, with the Green Goblin yes. and Spider Man is it was painted by John Romita. Yeah, uh, the original Romita, and it's gorgeous. It's mm. it's one of my all time favorites. The uh, the if you go to my comic shop right now, mycomicshop.com, it, they've got a very fine copy, an eight for fifty bucks. Mm. Can't go wrong with that. That's not a bad price. Mm, not really. Um, I mean, well, yeah. it, it's it's all relative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, remember, you're Hell, talking, I might have uh, sold it to him. <laughs> you're, you're talking to cut out the middleman. Yeah. You're talking to the guy who didn't want to tell his father what he had bought at the comic store because he paid four dollars and fifty cents for a comic book. Uh, when I got when I got my copy of Amazing Thirty Nine, you know, and and my dad came home from work, and uh, you know, he said, oh, "Did you get anything at the comic?" Like my dad really didn't care, you know. I mean, com- comics, you know, comics might as well have been written in Braille. I mean, he they were completely alien to him. But uh, he asked me if I what, bought it. What do you think? What would he think at three ninety nine now? <laughs> I don't know, but it was it was like you know, but I didn't want to you know tell him that I'd spent four dollars and fifty cents on a comic book. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, this um, so anyway that yeah, the, but the the with the cover that was reprinted though is a very pale imitation. I mean, but the the, the original spectacular Spider Man number two cover is 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 very is very nice. It's a very good cover. So Stan Stan wanted to get off the spinner racks. He wanted to be on where they put the big news or magazines. Yeah, he wanted to try to to do that, but it was a pretty well failed experiment because. Yeah. The merchants would get it, and, and of course, I'm I'm, re- I'm see see I'm not the credible Hulk, for example, who who can cite all his sources. I can't. I can only say I remember reading somewhere. Credible Hulk. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, you hired you hired him. You hired. No, I know. I, I like that you cited him. I like that he does that on the front. Yeah, oh, the those credible Hulk cites his the sources. Credible Hulk. But unfortunately, I can't cite my sources and I can't be as meticulous as Mr. Metz, you know, so, you know, you're just going to get the ramblings of an old man, but, uh, but, but I, re- but I remember reading, uh, that when the merchants got these, for example, they didn't know what the heck to do with it. They didn't know where to put it. Did they put it with the magazines? Cause it was a comic book, you know, or do they put it with the comic books and plus, plus guys, the price. Yeah. Well, how much was it? I forget. Thirty five cents. Ooh. Who the hell was? Go- In fact, is that double what the normal one is? is I, the other, I, one the other ones were going, I think, for like twelve and fifteen at the time, right? Or tw- right. maybe twenty, because I think issue one twenty seven. Oh no, no, no! Back in sixty eight. Oh, definitely twelve or fifteen cents. Okay. Definitely. You know, and it's funny because <laughs> when you look at the letters page of Spectacular Spider Man number two, mm-hmm. uh, three of the letters mention the thirty five cent. <laughs> what are they saying? What are they saying? This is outrageous. Um, They're like, go uh, to hell, Stanley. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. Someone's right. You know, writing. Um, when I opened the cover, I thought, how do they get off charging thirty-five cents for a black and white magazine? Uh, all things considered, though, the spectacular Spider-Man is truly spectacular and well worth the thirty-five cents. And then it was, and then another, the next one says, notice I said almost, it was, the cover painting was almost worth the price of the mag alone. Notice I said almost, because of 53 pages low this monster yarn made up for the balance of the 35 cent cover price. <laughs> and, Wouldn't it be nice to look this guy up nowadays, what we're paying? 
Yeah, there was oh, another man. one too. Oh yeah, the rel. Uh, yeah, blah blah blah. The if, relevance. If everything costs thirty-five cents today, I would no, I would still be buying what I am because everything else is crap today. The relevance of the above to Marveldom concerns the long-awaited super deluxe thirty-five cent issue of Spider-Man, which is, <laughs> you know. So, and actually, it's funny because this uh, the letters column is called Socket to Spider-Man. And it is nice. next. And let's see here. It is next to an ad. Doctors find way to shrink hemorrhoids and promptly stop itching. Leaf paint in most <laughs> cases. So well, that's good news for you, Jr. Wow, <laughs> it is now. But I'm thinking if I was <laughs> ten or twelve years old, and I'm seeing this uh, science has found a way to it found a medication with the ability, in most cases, to stop burning itch, relieve pain, and actually shrink hemorrhoids. <laughs> the answer is preparation H. So, so in, in your spectacular Spider-Man number two comic magazine and the letters page, you also have a hemorrhoid ad. You know, well, Stan was like, oh, you'll pay us for this new launch? Yeah, I'll take a hemorrhoid ad. <laughs> 30 you know, nice. We're happy to help spread awareness here at Marvel. <laughs> you know, this is often overlooked. People forget about these two issues. This is the true second Spider-Man title. This predates Team Up. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, spectacular, obviously. I, I, these, I mean, this one is often overlooked. You know, the Marvel black and white magazines were a lot of fun because a lot of times they'd have boobies, <laughs> like the horror stuff, like the Dracula's, the black and white stuff. They didn't give a damn. They were like, "Here you go," and the Conan stuff. Every now and then, yep, here you go. Here's some boobs. Yeah, you know, didn't didn't they didn't some of them come with a warning or a, a label or something? Or, or I don't think so. I think it was just like, "Here, kids, boobs." Okay. <laughs> oh, right. Here, kids, boobs. All right. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. You know, now, now, now they can find that on the internet. So, yeah. uh, well, let's go through the, one of the best goblin stories of all time. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, so that was kind of the. But anyway, there, there. Uh, be uh, you know the tangents. You know, uh, the, there is really some history behind this thing, and these these were re- apparently really originally not firmly within the established continuity uh these ma- these magazines uh they were later kind of reworked to fit into the continuity but anyway um the 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 spectacular spider-man number two opens with a retelling of spider-man's origin a one-page retelling of him getting bit by the spider and feeling himself responsible for the sub- subsequent death of uncle ben he becomes the amazing spider-man so anyway so we get that and then we go to the executive club which is an exclusive New York club full of old, crinkly old white men who smoke cigars. Anyway, for some reason, they're interested in the history of supervillains. So George Stacy is making a presentation, presenting a film. Or, or as he's also known, Preston Books, because of his cane. No one gets that? No. Preston Brooks, he's the, he's the senator that, uh, that beat uh, Senator, uh, senator Seward with a cane. Was he from Missouri? No, he's uh, oh, no. Carolina. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> this okay. is my bad. This is because because I am always thinking about you know the world through through a history prism, and uh, everyone else is illiterate. Not not uh, uh, Sumner. He beat Charles Sumner. Pardon me. Meanwhile, back at our funny books. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, you know what? I'll just shut up over here and be an unpopular asshole. You guys go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was go, about go, to say, why, go to for, reply to somebody on the front page. That's my, where we're fucked. News. My, 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 <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to. You know, 
help mm. spread, you know, spread knowledge. But uh, I'll just sit over here and be an unpopular dick. You guys, yeah, go. but you, but you called him Seward at first, though, instead of Sumner. And I mean, of course, if you want to talk, you know, if you want to talk about history, Seward was the guy who actually bought Alaska. So yeah. you know, I, we've discussed that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he did it, right? Or at least I did. You did, uh, and, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, all right. So anyway, wow. Captain Stacy, the you know the film, the picture you're witnessing is one of the most famous examples of two superpowered foes in combat. Criminologists throughout the world still study this epic battle between the desperate Spider-Man and the Green Goblin. Anyway, so Norman Osborn is in the front row and he's sweating, just like George says, he's sweating. Crazy sweat. Yep. Ted, you're perspiring. Is it too warm in here for you? I don't know, Harry. I I just don't feel well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> anyway and and here is now the difference between spectacular 62 spectacular number 2 was about i think 64 pages and uh the king sized annual number 9 was like 48 i believe several pages were lopped uh and a lot of those really did not weren't missed at all uh, because uh, I, you know, I, I'd had the, the annual for several years, and then I finally got a hold of the the uh, original. And there's like there's like you know splash page. There's you know Peter and Norman each after they after they uh, there's a later scene where like they leave the Osborne tin house and or townhouse, and they each you know start in, inter internalizing and monologuing and stuff. All that a lot of that stuff was cut out, and nobody and, and it wasn't missed. What's interesting though is in this one when Joan because Joan is a member of the club, and Joan is sitting there watching. It, someone's saying, hey, great pictures, aren't they, Jameson? And Jonah says, bah, I'd like them better if I didn't know how it ends. That blasted web slinger should have been killed, just like the goblin was. And I was, mm. re- I was reading that, I was like, God, that sounds a little harsh at Jonah, you know? I mean, I, I never really heard him, want, you know, because Jonah stated he doesn't, you know, Jonah's never really wanted to kill Spire Man, he just wants him discredited. After, uh, right. I think it was after Gwen died. Um, that Jonah was in front of the cops talking about how he was going to make sure Spider-Man got killed. Oh, really? Mm, uh, I, or, yeah, I, he was going to make sure Sp- like, someone killed Spider-Man. I, yeah. I think that's why he hired Luke Cage. Right. But what's funny is when this was reprinted in uh, for the King Sized Annual, that dialogue is gone. Uh, hmm. the, the 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 pick the the person who's basically it was like literally a two-page splash. That was consolidated into one page, and so this person who's asking Jonah the question is cut completely, and so Jonah is just saying, you know, when Harry and Norman are talking, Jonah's dialogue now is quiet. This is the only part of the film I like, the part before the web slinger defeated the goblin. So apparently, in the between the first issuance and the reprinting, someone decided that it was a little harsh for Jonah to say the web slinger should have been killed. So that was um, I thought that was a little interesting thing there. So, yeah. So anyway. This is the guy who commissioned the Spider Slayers, right? Just, just so we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the guy who commissioned the Spider Slayers, who commissioned uh, Danny Burkhart, Mysterio, Scorpion, Scorpion. <clears throat> just, so, just so we're on the same page about Jonah. This is the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> is it, and see, isn't that it, the thing? Is Dan Slott used it to humorous effect in She-Hulk number four, and it was like, and, and those were the types of stories that I was thinking. God, I wish Dan, Dan Slott was a regular writer on Spider-Man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> okay. So anyway, so no, anyway, so Peter's saying, "Oh God, Norman's got the sweats." When Norman's got the sweats, that means he's going. He's starting to remember that he was the Green Goblin. And of course, he was when he was the Green Goblin. He knew that I was Spider-Man, and so you know, after you know, Norman continues to sweat profusely, gets out of his chair, and faints. And um, <laughs> so, at the hospital, 
there's a curious exchange because uh, Jonah, you know, the, the Jonah and Captain Stacy are there, and Jonah says, ah, "If you ask me, Osborne's been working too hard. He needs a good vacation." Stacy says, "I think it's more than that, Jameson. He should seek psychiatric help." Now, back then, it meant nothing. And probably to most people, it still means nothing, uh, except to us anal fanboys, middle-aged fanboys who are sitting in our own basements. Uh, <laughs> but it's funny because, for me, it, many years later, I don't know, you remember EarthX, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, one, a, a, decent, a, a decent EarthX Spider-Man story that was told, because EarthX, I thought, was was basically a big was sucked, you know. Went on a long time. Went on way too long. Got way too yeah. philosophical. Just it, it just sucked. It was it was self indulgent, totally self indulgent. But anyway, uh, all, all based on a uh, art on a wizard special, if I remember correctly. Well, someone saw an art of uh, mm-hmm. it was a fat Spider Man, and yeah. someone decided and, and that it that basically grew from the concept, you know, of in in cuz in this story Spider-Man starts out grossly overweight. But anyway, so Stacy anyway, Stacy is saying that Norman needs to see a psychiatrist. Well, Peter, middle-aged Peter in Earth-X is trapped in a illusion where he kind of creates a perfect world for himself where he eventually married Gwen. Um and the turning point in that story was that Captain Stacy did not die from the the chimney crumbling on him during the battle between Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus. And then Stacy later takes uh, identifies Osborne as the Green Goblin and sends Osborne to prison. So Osborne never you know, becomes a goblin again uh, and never kills Gwen and, and things of that nature. And it was funny, I was thinking, you know, that's interesting because even back then it appears Stacy knew, you know, nobody else, you know, was you know figuring that Norman had issues, but Stacy could tell that Norman had issues. Something was wrong with this guy. Stacy was a pretty sharp cat. Well, he was. I mean, you know, obviously he figured, you know, he figured yeah. out. Uh, but it was interesting that you know, looking back, that he was starting to maybe even he was he really was starting to piece together that you know something's going on with Norman Osborn. He's not everything he appears to be. But anyway, but but then you know, Jameson says Balderdash. You'll never get me to a head shrinker. Stacy says, too bad. <laughs> James goes, what's that? <laughs> Nothing. Anyway, humorous little little aside. So, anyway, Osborne escapes the hospital because it comes to him as he's laying there in a vision. It, then he's, and, he, and he says, the Green Goblin isn't dead. He never died. I am the Goblin! And it was a picture <laughs> so awesome that I made it the lead to one of my Green Goblin articles Uh when I wrote one of my Green Goblin articles several years ago, because I just thought it was an awesome scene where he just, you know, realized who he was, and it was like, he never died. I am the Goblin. So, <laughs> so anyway, Norman escapes the hospital and talks to himself for the next two and a half pages. <laughs> like Mysterio did. Like also, all supervillains. <clears throat> yeah. Around, like, I mean, it's like, anyway, he finds himself, you know, he goes to a hideout. He goes to one of his hideouts, which is in one of the most sordid slum areas, which infests the savage, sprawling city. You know, now I have a mission, revenge, and because this is a magazine, not just a comic book, it will be the most excruciating revenge ever known. He really does say it will be the most excruciating revenge ever known, and I figure he's doing that because it's a magazine instead of a regular comic book. And it's 35 cents. And it's 35 cents. <laughs> but it was 40 cents in can. Mm, no, no, in Canada. It, well, no, in can. 
Mm. Oh, yeah, Canada. God maybe, maybe if you read it in the can, you got to pay more. Yeah, I don't know. 40 cents in Canada. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, so when Alpha Flight was reading this. <laughs> 40 cents in Canada. Yeah, you know, make those Canadians pay more. I mean, after all, they call their money loonies, right? Anyway, so. Uh, okay. Anyway, we have a special appearance by Miles Warren, of all people, chastising Peter for dozing off in the lab. So anyway, you know, Norman's Norman's out there running loose, and Peter's having nightmares about the goblin revealing his identity to Aunt May, you know, and it's like, oh, Aunt May, you know how the doctor warned us about your weak heart? You know, the same weak heart that survived about a half dozen heart attacks over the years and everything like that. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so Osborne makes it back home. And and this is where, this is kind of where some material was lifted for that episode in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, the episode called Turning Point, uh, it lifted the uh, the part about the party. And um, Peter says, oh, God, throwing a party is not, that's, that's not Norman Osborn. This is a setup. You know, so Harry says, yeah, I'll bring Mary Jane and you can bring Gwen. Okay, so anyway, Peter goes to pick up Gwen. All right, and he's so, Captain Stacy lets him in. And so he's sitting there talking to Captain Stacy. Okay, <laughs> now, I am not making this shit up. This is, this is as the credible Hulk would say, this is the source. And allow me to take a drink of Mountain Dew. <laughs> diet or the good stuff? God, hell, it's got to be diet. I'm an old man. Uh, I can't, uh, it's pancreas can only handle so much, Brad. That's, that's right. That's right. So, so I get some diet myself. Yeah. So, so much sugar. But anyway. Hard on the kidneys. Peter says, Gwendy, you look like a walking centerfold pinup and in living color, too. And her dad's sitting right there. Oh, man. Sitting right there. I can just imagine. <coughs> I was just thinking, I can imagine me doing this in front of my father-in-law. My, you know, my, you know, my wife comes in or whatever, we're dating. Damn, girl, I hope that bra of yours is getting hazard pay because those babies are about to bust loose. Uh, <laughs> you know, that sounds that's incredibly like, sexist. Wow. <laughs> but, it, wow. but it's just funny. You're romantic. <laughs> but Peter's saying, wow, you look like a centerfold pinup right in front of her dad. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think if I were Awkward. Captain, if I were Captain Stacy at the time, I would, I think I would, I think I would have hit, hit Peter over my, the head with my cane for real that time. <laughs> um, anyway, so Peter, and here's another thing. <clears throat> How can I subject, subject this gorgeous creature to the green goblin? And yet I must. Uh, and I'm thinking, Peter, if you only knew, she's already been subjected to the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah. Because, because, boys and oh. girls, remember, yeah. I, well, a fan, speculate. You, you, <laughs> Specul- Marvel believed you and made it into continuity. Speculated that after the events of the, you know, the brainwasher, when Norman saved uh, Gwen and Captain Stacy, that... She went to say thank you, and of course he was in this sweat heavily, sweating profusely. Period, and that's when <laughs> you could turn that down. So, <laughs> what, what issue between what issues did Norman and Gwen allegedly? Probably between sixty and sixty-five. Okay, so that was what this one fan speculated. All right, uh, no, that fan is you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so anyway so so see this would have taken now, now that Norman has his memories back this would have to have taken place afterwards so Gwen and Norman have already done the deed anyway now this is um, the, so they go to Norman's townhouse and remember and Mary Jane is there and of course folks another tidbit this is Mary Jane's short curly haired history part of her history oh yeah I don't like remember that. when Mary Jane had short, short curly hair yes anyway 
So and, and this, dark this, times, Harry. Dark times. Dark. So this time, so this is this is the scene at the party where Norman's starting to wig out a little bit and starting to go crazy and you know drop hints about yes, Peter, we all have secrets, ooh, you know. And then he says, but let's break to the living room or living room and get to know each other better. Where Harry puts on some music and then him, Gwen and Mary, him, Gwen and Mary Jane are all dancing. No indication whether or not Norman is dancing during this time or not. So anyway. Uh, Peter says, ah, Norman just really looking funny. He's, I mean, he's, he's up to something. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go pretend to call Aunt May. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to spin a web around some film and I'm going to create a smoke bomb and I'm going to throw it in this fireplace here. Okay. Okay. And then the fireplace, you know, of course, smoke goes all over the house, you know, and Norman says, ah, yeah, you can't fool me, you you know, you short. Look at him self edit. Did you see that? He's self edit. <laughs> it's like we're conditioning him. It's like he was like, I'm going to peel the floor. I'm going to peel the floor. No, I'm not. <laughs> so anyway, Norman says, Ah, you can't fool me, you sawed off little shit. I'm just no, it's back. <laughs> I don't have to find you. I can just have you come to me by go- going to your aunt's house. So now, you know, so Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah here we go. Spider-Man knows he's got to he's got to go after Norman now. So anyway, what what? What what happens after that then is pretty well the typical superhero supervillain battle. Norman, yeah. you know, throw you know steals some, you know I don't know who came up with this first. Norman or Mysterio, the hallucinogenic gas. Anyway, Norman hits Spider Man with the hallucinogenic bomb. Spider Man starts hallucinating, uh, and then all of a sudden he breaks it and he says, "Aha, I know how to beat him." So then he grabs one of Norman's hallucinogenic bombs, subjects Norman to it. Norman starts hallucinating and conveniently. Forgets everything. Wow. Conveniently forgets everything. It's almost like the story's ending. Because <laughs> <laughs> remember, back then in the 60s, yeah. good always had to overcome evil, you see. Yes. I mean, the Green Goblin, couldn't, they just couldn't fight to a draw and then go their separate ways. Good had to overcome evil. Well, the problem is Norman knows who Spider-Man is, so he can't just go to jail because, you know, I guess nobody, nobody really thought thought at that time, gee, you know, maybe the villain wouldn't want to reveal the superhero's secret identity because that's like the only card he's got to play. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like when Batman told the Riddler at the end of Batman Hush, what good is a riddle if everyone knows the answer? Uh, the Joker so, has actually killed people to keep Batman's identity secret. I wouldn't doubt it. When did he do that? Did he do that in Death in the Family or some other place? Uh, I want to say, no, it was in... Um Speaking of, do you know Romina Jr. doing a Death in the Family prequel? He was in like Shadow of the Bat, I want to say. He, I think he killed Hugo Strange. Hmm. Now, now, does the Joker know, or the Joker doesn't want to know? It's Joker just, knows. Okay. Joker knows he doesn't care because Joker knows that Bruce Wayne is a mask and that Batman right. is a real person. So Joker doesn't give a hell. I mean, Joker's just like that's just the mask you put on mm-hmm. when you're doing something else. You know, Batman is my foe. You are Batman. Bruce Wayne is a facade. So that he doesn't care. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know because oh, yeah, it, it's evident if you look at uh, Death in the Family. Well, this is all pre you know New Fifty Two crap, whatever. Yeah, but so, if you look at Death in the Family, he sees Bruce Wayne at the UN and just straight up laughs in his face. And Wayne stares at him. Yeah, Just because and that's, there. that's when you know. In that same story, you also know that Commissioner Gordon knows, and Commissioner Gordon just doesn't want to face it. Hmm. So, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. There's some good, some cool Batman talk for you kids yeah. here on Spider. <laughs> but uh, but it, uh, although this was posted <clears throat> in, in Death in the Family, doesn't Bruce tell? I don't know if he tells Alfred or somebody else that as Bruce Wayne, he went to Arkham to visit the Joker. That was and, killing. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, killing and no. killing joke. He went to go to Arkham to visit Joker as Batman. But go right. ahead. Right. But I think at the end of Death in the Family, it comes up whether the question comes up does Joker know? And Bruce says, "Well, I went for whatever reason. He wanted to know if the Joker knew himself. So he goes to the goes to Arkham to talk to the Joker as Bruce Wayne." And he he says something that only he and Batman should know, but the Joker will not look at him. The Joker keeps his back to him the whole time. So to Bruce, that tells Bruce that either he knows or he does. Like you said, George, he knows but doesn't care. That's not who he's. That's not who his enemy is. Yeah, for Joker, that's like Batman putting on a clown costume and coming to visit him. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so anyway, so it was. Um, so anyway, they didn't, you know, like then they couldn't let the they couldn't let the, the bad guy get away with knowing his identity. So Norman had to conveniently forget. So anyway, Norman conveniently forgets, and Peter and Mary Jane and Gwen all walk off arm in arm into the sunset, like well, like Wizard of Oz, like they're going to Emerald City. Yep. <laughs> and, but you're the out of the woods. You're out of the dark. You're out of the night. <laughs> but the, but in the in the reprint. Uh, Peter says, uh, you know, when Peter Peter's saying, yeah, that's it, Webhead, just keep him laughing, just as though you couldn't care less about whether or not the Green Goblin will ever return. And the reprint says, perhaps for a moment, Peter Parker foresaw the grim, tragic events that would one day rip his life apart. Perhaps he glimpsed briefly that this conflict would end in Gwen Stacy's death. So, mm. anyway, that was... Uh, Does it seem just a little bit more gory in the 35 Center? Ah, uh, no, it's not. I mean, no, it's no, it's not. There's no, no more adultish. I don't no, know. No, it's not. No, it's it's just it's just overlong. Um, yeah. It's uh, no, it's not. It's it's not no. It's not uh, uh, the '60s Marvel Knights version. Um, okay. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah. I mean it's very standard. Probably some if someone were to pick this up now and they would read this, they would see it. You know, they would say, "Ah, man, this is typical corny '60s crap," and they would be right. But yeah. it's. Well, one, it's our corny '60s crap, and yeah. <laughs> but it, it is. It's just a classic battle. I mean, there's no, there's no heavy overtones of emotion. There's no. It's just a straight up Spider-Man and Green Goblin. They each know who they are, you know, and they each, you know, get in a big fight, and you know, it's it, it is what it is. It's good basic popcorn yeah. Spider-Man. Why is it one of your favorite Goblin stories? Well, part of it is, you know, the sentimentality. The same sentimentality, yeah. uh, the same diluted sentimentality that allows Zack to actually like the Clone Saga, uh, <laughs> because that's how he was introduced to Spider-Man. Yeah. This was my uh, first Green Goblin story. Ah. I, this, I, I, this sealed the deal for your love of Norman, I imagine. Yeah, it kind of did. And I, yeah. I've never quite understood why. I guess it was always just the fact that he knew. It was it was just the fact that he knew. It just was so friggin' awesome that he knew. That's back when not everybody knew. Exactly, exactly. That was I mean, yeah, no one made him a unique villain with that. Exactly. Aspect. I mean he knew. And it was like it was just this thing, the sort of Damocles that was hanging over Peter's head. You know, that that could, you know, drop at any time, uh, when Norman would get his memories back. And you know, it led to the drug issues. Those were those were pretty good issues and uh Those were strong issues. They, yeah. they were. You know, and that was uh uh, it just was. There just it just seemed when Norman showed up. 
I mean, the the level of tension just was, you know, as as they say in Spinal Tap, it went to eleven. Whenever, whenever the Green Goblin got his memories back, uh, it was uh, you know, and, and they're just I just felt that you know, and, and even really like in issue number one thirty six, you know, when Harry became the Goblin, you know, the fact that Harry knew and Harry had found out, and you know that was just that was just so awesome too, you know, it was it was one thing that made the the Green Goblin character unique uh was that was that he knew whatever whatever um whatever personality was under the mask the goblin always knew so 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 we're taking a little look into the mind of JR if this issue was was originally released <laughs> if this issue wasn't originally released and then reprinted and put in your barber's shop you probably wouldn't be on this call some 40 years later. Oh my god, this is like a if then turning point moment. Th- this this uh-huh. if they th- this issue didn't happen, you would be, have a lot more money in your pocket due to all the comic money you would say. <laughs> I, I still think for me the yeah, I would the, start smoking. One of the uh, greatest uh, goblin moments I had was the first time when the first time uh, back in the Romita days when you realized that uh, that it was that story when Norman first finally figures out who, P- who that Peter is Spider-Man, and they're together at that party. Remember, mm-hmm. and and Norman's like screwing with him the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and trying like the trying to hold back his murderous rage. You know, I think he like at one point didn't he shake his hand and like try to crush it or something. Yeah, that's in that's in this story. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. That's oh god, it's the same story, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same holy story. crap! Both of you are having your favorite Goblin moment. Yeah. Well, it, it see it was because it was. The I just realized that's the same. It's the same story. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, <laughs> grabs his hand and Peter saying, "Oh, he'd break my fingers if not for my spider strength." If you had talked about that earlier, I think I was in the bathroom. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, All right. No, I, was, I just realized that. I was, I was like, oh, God, that's... Wait, same issue. Never mind. But, but when the two of them fought, it was personal. I mean, it was really deeply personal. And that's why I think it is so effing stupid that Norman doesn't know me. Yeah. Well, you know, we may get us another mind wipe here, if the, you know, because we're going to have to find a way to fix the entire world knowing the name Peter Parker. So, yeah, we may be coming up on another universe reboot or another mind wipe or something stupid. Yes. But bottom line, great month in Spider history. Oh, absolutely, great. absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's yeah, like I say, in, in a very sentimental moment for me as well. But wait, there's more. JR, we forgot something. Yes. And just a little plug, you have portrayed this comic in audio video form, right? Well, part of it, actually. Um, yeah. It was um, our, our friend uh, Jonathan with uh, Thwip Studios. Um, he uh, adapted the Clone Saga, and he decided to lead the uh, Clone Saga off with uh, the part of the scene in Spectacular Spider-Man number two, where Norman walks in and, and notes that Peter is there at the party and says, oh, you know, yeah. Mr. Parker, I was hoping you could make it. Uh, and then, you know, when Norm- Norman starts, you know, flip to flip out and Peter thinks he's going to mm-hmm. reveal his identity. So I got, I got to do that part. And that was just, you know, just seriously cool. Uh, yeah. And You do a great Norman, by the uh, way. You know, I, love it. I, I don't, you know, here's the thing. I, I just, yeah. I, I cringe. You know, because I don't have Norman's voice. I mean, Norman to me is is a 
Yeah, I don't think I have his voice, but uh, but it's fun to do. I've enjoyed it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm uh, grateful to Jonathan to uh, allow me to uh, kind of you know chew the scenery a little bit because in uh, in this part five of the Clone Saga, it's like you know if there was any scenery left around, if there was any scenery to be had, it would be all gone because I just ate it all up. And uh, we can uh, we can put a link in the discussion yeah. thread when I post this on what you think of the uh, the show on our message board. You can see that video. We'll we'll put that up yeah. there. So anyway, I just I just wanted to, to send out a plug to Jonathan. I know that he uh, I know that he, he does a good job. He, he works, you know, it, it's tough to do that, and uh, he's mm-hmm. you know I know that he has to make a, he has to make a lot of choices about what to include and what not to include. Uh, and I know that you know sometimes people say, "Wait, wait a minute, you left out that part." Well. It takes a while to render. I was about to say it's uh, you know you do the I mean I think he's done like forty of these things so uh, and there's there's still a few more to come so uh, anyway I just I just had to plug it so and before we wrap this up this episode up totally we missed you on the review show of the new relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man Volume Four Number One to Three real quick what did you think of those three issues Oh my lord you know really not a fan either uh, (laughs) well you know the thing is uh, I didn't have a chance to reread the first two I mean I went through them real quickly I was going to reread them for the podcast and then like the day before the podcast I got home from a from a trip a work related trip and mm-hmm. things just did not go well. And well life life happened. Life yeah. happened. It didn't go well and so I missed the podcast. But anyway, uh, you know, I've said before, I think I've said before, I don't object to this um, you know, seeing what would happen if Peter actually lived up to his potential, but I think I also made the comment that it had to be written well because if it's right. not written well, it's going to look like bad fanfic, and that's what it looks like so far. But the thing yeah. that issues one into, you know, the Zodiac thing is not interesting to me in the slightest. It just, you know. But the thing that really frosted me was issue number three with uh, the whole, you know, Peter and Johnny have known each other too long, have, have been through too much shit together to be acting like that. They wouldn't act like that. I don't care how drunk Johnny would have been at the time. <laughs> it, it was stupid. It was just stupid. And then getting in another yeah. fight and it just stupid. <clears throat> you know, it's stupid. And and then like at the very end when we think it's Norman and you know with the, the plastic surgery, which I just thought was stupid. You know, yeah. stupid. It's like you know, is that Norman at the end in the camouflage jacket or not? Who knows. I mean, <laughs> I'm still not convinced it was the real Norman at the end of Goblin Nation. Because it wasn't written like Norman. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's the thing that, as I said, I don't think Dan Slott is, is fair with his mysteries. Because, you know, the, wow. the Goblin didn't talk like Norman during that time. And so I didn't think he was. And then it says, yeah, I'm Norman, really, me, but I look like Abraham from The Walking Dead. You know, and, and, and it's like, you know, he's got a distinctive face. He's got a distinctive yeah. look because of that stupid hair. Why would you, why mm-hmm. would you change that? So, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, like what you said, you know, Peter's interfering in the domestic affairs of a foreign nation. You know, uh, yeah. That was, yeah what would you give grades on uh, each issue? Uh, you you know, I'd have to pass on one and two because I'd have to reread them again, but I can't imagine them getting more than a C. But, uh, boy, number three yeah. would get definitely in the low Ds. That's yeah. just awful. And see, the, you don't know, yeah. and, you, and because Secret Wars isn't finished, you know, mm-hmm. and has it ever has it ever been explained why Secret Wars isn't finished? 
you know, you get in, either the art or the writing. I don't, one of the two. You know, I mean, in Civil War, they were all too ready to blame it on Steve McNiven, the artist. But they, it seems like they're remarkably silent. But you know, because obviously something happens to the Fantastic Four at the end, yeah. but we don't know it yet. So mm. you know, so it's just it's it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So no, I'm not. So far, it's like, oh god, this is this is what I. <laughs> 